0: Today on Not Sam Wrestling, a pretty incredible promo went down from Baron Corbin. We got to talk about the ending to SmackDown, the GCW controversy from over the weekend, and Kayla Braxton is on the show. This is Not Sam
1: Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling.
2: Introducing
3: your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts.
0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Welcome to another episode. Welcome to another week of fabulous, fabulous pro wrestling content. I was getting very excited. I was looking at all the uh, tweets that were going out of the people that were in Pittsburgh and I don't know where else over the weekend, but just seeing the screen grabs, just seeing the photos of WWE doing live events again. And I, I think, you know, there was talk when the pandemic was, you know, really in the thick of it and people were locked up and no, you know, and, and wrestling companies were not doing shows in front of fans, there were questions about whether WWE would ever do live events again. You know, the question was, surely they'll go back on tour at some point to do the television and pay-per-views, but will live events return when WWE is back on the road and they've they've come back full force uh, you know, going a full, I think it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday schedule. Uh, And for non-pay-per-view weekends, having Saturday and Sunday be live events, Super Show live events, where they combine the rosters. And John Cena, I saw, is actually wrestling on them. You know, when they said the Summer of Cena was happening, and they listed John Cena as being on a bunch of these live events, if not all the live events, going through SummerSlam, I thought that, it was going to be like he would come out and do a promo. Happy to be back. Happy to see the audience again. We are in Pittsburgh. Get that Mick Foley cheap pop. But no, from what I saw, it sounded like uh, they were doing like the Usos and Roman Reigns versus the Mysterios and John Cena as the main event. And as far as main events go of a live event, it's uh, I think we take for granted looking at something like that. When you look at the generations, right? You think about like Rey Mysterio making an impact in America, starting in 1997. Even before, 96 in ECW, but really, you know, coming in into his own in WCW in 1997. Of course, in Mexico before that, obviously. But you got Rey Mysterio who's been around as long as Rey has been around. You've got John Cena who represents really, you know, coming into his own during that ruthless aggression era. I mean, look at the evolution of SmackDown. Rey Mysterio is one of the original SmackDown 6. John Cena as one of those guys that was kind of raised as a SmackDown superstar. Dominic Mysterio, who's that new generation. And then on the other side of the ring, the current top guy, Roman Reigns. The Usos, who have really, like, taken into becoming a main event act only this year. You know, watching them evolve from being guys with face paint and board shorts to a tag team that's also a main event act has been pretty remarkable. So that's a lot of talent that spans a lot of time in a six-man tag. If that's the main event, that's I don't know if that was just happening at one show or if that's going to happen at a lot of shows. But, yeah, man, just seeing the photos of the live event set up, of of the crowd all packed in again, it was just really awesome to see. And I very much look forward to seeing uh, a WWE live show. I did go to a a live wrestling show. The first live wrestling show that I wasn't working at, you know, I've been to a few live wrestling shows at the Capitol Wrestling Center, obviously, TakeOvers and the like, but in terms of a a show I did, I went to an independent wrestling show over the weekend that we'll talk about, but I'm really looking forward to getting back into a full arena full of people for a WWE extravaganza. Uh, We talked... On, on the Thursday podcast that we do exclusively on Patreon, every tier gets it. It's less than a dollar a month. Patreon.com slash not wrestling. We talked about some of the stuff that happened on raw, uh, to me, a very, very, very newsworthy raw last week. However, decisions that most of them, I didn't agree with. I thought the Nikki Ash cash in was awesome. I thought it was tremendous. I'm not a big fan of short title reigns, but this one, I didn't mind because the money in the bank. Not only did the money in the bank regain its credibility, but Nikki Ash, in the character that she's portraying now, which I think is working like gangbusters to me, I think it's awesome, uh, was skyrocketed by it. And, uh, you know, I, I think you can look at what everybody in the industry says, but it goes without saying Nikki Ash is like I R L one of the greatest human beings that you could ever hope to encounter. So there, there's no way to be disappointed about that. If anything, you'd go, I wish Charlotte hadn't had all those other short title reigns that made it so that this was another. But if this had been Charlotte's only short title reign, I wouldn't have minded at all. John Cena promo, obviously, was great opening Raw. I, 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 you know, the Karrion cross thing, to me, was mind-boggling. But we talked about that a lot on Thursday. I'll tell you what I liked. On SmackDown, I was like waiting to see what was going on. You know, John Cena comes out and Roman Reigns kind of calls him out on that promo and Paul Heyman hits him back a little bit. And I think it's going to get really interesting between Paul Heyman, John Cena, and Roman Reigns. And you wonder if it's going to be one of those things where maybe John Cena is, because I'm sure John Cena will be on Raw. And I don't know. I mean, I've heard some of the brand extension criticism about John Cena going back and forth. But if you can't discern the difference, like if you can't, There's no, John Cena is not going to be drafted to one brand exclusively when he's only going to be here for six weeks. That makes absolutely no sense. If John Cena is going to be here for six weeks, let's get him on as many TV shows as humanly possible. Uh, And I'm, I'm all for it. John Cena opening up WWE TV shows is never going to make me change the channel, especially in 2021. I'm Let's Go Cena. I'm not Cena sucks. But what I loved was the end of SmackDown. I thought this week's SmackDown was all about that last segment when it's like Roman Reigns won't accept John Cena's challenge because he thinks it's corny or whatever. I'm paraphrasing. And having Finn Balor come out, it was logical, it was cool, and it was unexpected. And it's very rare in this day and age, especially in mainstream wrestling, that you can hit that trifecta. Logical, cool, and unexpected, and it was. You know, Finn Balor coming out and I, last week when he made his return to SmackDown and he made that entrance, I tweeted out that Finn Balor is a rock star on the main roster, and he really is. You know, he. I don't know if he gained a level of confidence. I whatever he did in NXT, he shifted the character in NXT. And then he brought that with him as he returns to the main roster. But this is not the same Finn Balor that we saw pre-second run in NXT. This is a this is an evolution of rock and roll. This is an evolution of the prince. The prince is now on the main roster. And to the point where like people are, are like, well, what about the demon Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns? And I don't need to see the demon at all. You know, I think that the thing that's tricky about the demon is that I found what was what I felt what was happening with the demon was that he was so unbeatable that Finn Balor became more beatable that when Finn Balor wasn't the demon you could beat him all you want cuz eventually he'll pull out the demon and he'll get his win back and it'll be okay but what ends up happening is is presumably the demon's going to show up you know hopefully less than 4 times a year if you're doing it which means that you're only really guaranteed four big victories because we're just going to beat him all the time when he's not the demon and to make the demon more special, which I, I think is long-term really bad for Finn Balor. And eventually you'll go like, I've seen this guy lose a whole bunch of times. I don't believe the face paint anymore. I love that Finn Balor is showing up and feeling like a rock star without paint on. The, that Finn Balor is the draw. Finn Balor is the star. The prince is the star and man I'm telling you when Finn Balor and Roman Reigns stood in the ring together on SmackDown I felt like it was a main event I felt really good about it to the point where I was almost like okay like I'm thinking about it and I'm like well I've got to assume that it's still going to be John Cena versus Roman Reigns at SummerSlam right Like, like like you're going to SummerSlam you're going to a stadium full of people you've got John Cena He's not on the books. I looked at the summer of Cena dates. He's not on the books after SummerSlam. So I've got to assume that Roman Reigns is going to be his opponent. Roman Reigns is the only person that John Cena has talked about. Roman Reigns is the person that John Cena confronted at Money in the Bank. I you know, I don't I don't think anything else. Roman Reigns accepted Finn Bálor's challenge on SmackDown. I can't imagine that they would do a triple threat with Roman, Finn Balor, and John Cena, it's almost like, why? Why would you? You know, in hindsight, you probably didn't need to do a triple threat at WrestleMania with Daniel Bryan, Roman, and Edge. You could have just done Roman and Edge based on what we saw at Money in the Bank. So I kind of am am sitting there going, I guess that means that we're going to get Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor on television leading to SummerSlam. That we're gonna have a SmackDown match. Maybe next week we'll make it official. And the week after it's Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor. And that's gonna somehow lead us to Roman Reigns versus John Cena. And that's awesome. And I like that you have you're now left after SmackDown going, Well, there's now there's multiple superstars at play here. I love what's going on here. There's multiple storylines being told. We're weaving now. But honestly, I don't want to see Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns on TV as much as I want to see it on pay-per-view. I I feel like that's something that you could build to on a big pay-per-view. And maybe we'll do it in a way where we can, you know. Maybe it'll be set up in a way where they'll do Roman versus Finn Balor on television leading to SummerSlam. It'll bring us to the John Cena-Roman Reigns match. Roman Reigns wins, and Finn Balor is lined up as his next opponent. And somehow has been, credibility has been added to him. I don't know how you would get there. But I like that, you know. The fact that I liked the segment. I didn't leave... Roman Reigns and Finn Balor segment going like, what, what this is overcomplicated. I don't understand what's going on. Like, I left intrigued. And so I'm 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 ready to go on this journey. And the Roman Reigns journey specifically has not been disappointing. If you just kind of give in and go like, okay, let's see where this goes with Roman. You know, I, I feel like after multiple pay-per-views, it's been, well, he's beating everybody. Well, where's he going to go from here? Well, where's he going to go from here? Well, where does he go after WrestleMania? Well, and it's always like, don't worry about it. It'll be badass, and it has been badass. So I don't exactly know where this Finn Balor thing is going with Roman Reigns, but I like that I don't exactly know where this Finn Balor thing is going with Roman Reigns, and I really like that Finn Balor is being showcased as a serious, incredible threat to Roman Reigns, that it's like this is a guy who's stepping up, and when you see them together, I felt like it looked serious. I felt like Finn Balor looked like a main event opponent for Roman Reigns, and I thought it was... I thought it was really, really cool. Let's, you know, let's see where it goes. We talked, by the way, also on Patreon about the future. I would, I really hope, look, I'm a WWE fan. I want to see everybody go to WWE. All the cool wrestlers I want to see in WWE. The fact that Daniel Bryan and CM Punk are, according to the internet, going to be in play, in general, is super cool for wrestling. And if they do go to AEW, I've got to imagine that'll light an even bigger fire under WWE to pull out some cool shit. Like if Daniel Bryan and CM Punk show up there, I think that they will be even bigger stars than they have been, at least in the short term, because it'll be like, whoa, this is a huge move. And I, I don't know, man, I feel like that's going to light a fire under WWE. I feel like the whole industry is going to have a fire lit under it. I think that 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 all this stuff going on bodes very well for the wrestling industry as a whole. And I think iron sharpens iron, and everybody's game is improving. I went to see my first, by the way, Game Changer Wrestling show on Saturday in Atlantic City. I went to Homecoming Part 1. It was the match that has been built tremendously over the internet. Nick Gage, the King of the Death match, former guest on Not Sam Wrestling, in-studio versus Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder, who's also been on the show, not in studio, Game Changer Wrestling Heavyweight Championship on the line. And, you know, I sometimes take for granted that everybody knows what's going on in all these different parts of the wrestling world. Um, I would hope that if for any reason you skipped the Nick Gage podcast that we did, go back, even if you think you're not a Nick Gage fan, because that's what I've found. When I really, like... And I mean, I'm looking at wrestling Twitter. I mean, but I'm looking all over the place. And I don't think wrestling Twitter, I think wrestling Twitter is a decent gauge of how hardcore wrestling fans are feeling about things. And, and you, can, you can get caught in bubbles within wrestling Twitter, but you can find all kinds of different opinions and, and get there. Um, and I think that there is a, a large population in the wrestling world that has preconceived notions about Nick Gage that are negative and preconceived notions about death matches That are negative and, 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 and that they're senseless and dangerous and violent and and this and that. And, and, you know, that there's some have said embarrassing for wrestling. And I mean, first of all, go back, listen to the podcast that I did with Nick Gage. You can go on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel and watch the interview that I did with Nick Gage. Watch that interview or listen to it on the podcast and tell me you're not a Nick Gage fan after that conversation, I guarantee you it won't happen. Tell me you're not a Nick Gage fan after the conversation. Okay? Go on the fight app and take a look at Homecoming Part One that Game Changer Wrestling did on Saturday night Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona. Watch the video package that plays beforehand, watch the entrances. Listen to the fans. Watch the match with no preconceived notions. Watch the match without saying, well, I don't like death matches, so I won't like this match. Without saying, well, this is stupid and dangerous. I don't know why anybody does it. Like, just watch the match as a match and tell me you're not on board with this. Deathmatch wrestling has a terrible reputation because I believe in the early 2000s, it started to become really senseless, gratuitous violence for the sake of violence with not a lot of storytelling. That's not good deathmatch wrestling. That's bad deathmatch wrestling. And there's bad versions of every type of wrestling. If deathmatch wrestling is not your thing, that's fine. But to shut yourself off from an entire type of wrestling because you're prejudging it based on other stuff, based on you know bad stuff you've seen or based on whatever, is only going to leave you missing out as a fan in my opinion. In wrestling, and yeah, I like gore. I like gory horror movies, but I don't want to see people get hurt. I don't like actual I don't sit around watching torture videos. Never. But I like storytelling. And that's what good deathmatch wrestling is. It's it's story it's it it, it it it's it's storytelling and and it it's art. It's visual art. When you do it well, and that's what I saw on Saturday night. GCW packed in, I think, over a 1,000 people into this room in Atlantic City, New Jersey, the Showboat Casino. And, I mean, they were on their feet. It is just a different energy. The people who don't like this stuff have not watched this stuff. I You don't even have to be there live. You can watch it. You can watch it at home and get that energy. But being there live for the first time, first of all, I don't think I've ever been at a live wrestling show. I I realized then, I don't know that I've ever been to a live wrestling show where they've used light tubes because the pop that you hear when a light tube breaks in person is unreal. So cringe-inducing in a good way for me. Maybe not for you, and that's cool. But when I tell you, I mean, you go, I went to that show and just top to bottom from opening bell to closing bell, everything on the show worked, everything that, that people wanted to get cheered, got cheered, everything that people wanted to get booed, got booed, everything had a story, everything had a place the night. It was was a beautifully paced show. I thought for the most part, the matches were in the right order a good amount of talent was showcased. There were buffers put between big angles and it was smart buffers. It wasn't just popcorn buffers. It was like good. It, it, it was still good content without being like, so if, you know, if we see a, a, a big, so we see a death match before intermission, well, we're going to go to intermission. We're going to, we're going to let everybody cool out. We're going to come back with a scramble match. Then we're going to do a big angle with the tag team championship. We're going to have new tag team champions. There's going to be tables and staples and blood. Then we're going to cool out again. We're going to clean up the ring. We're going to do a a, 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 a another a, another kind of, I don't want to say a filler angle, but just a different type of angle with Effie and former guest on the podcast, Alley Catch. And then they got to the death match with Matt Cardona and Nick Gage. Now, this is, this is a match that's really been built on the idea that GCW and Nick Gage, who, like, people might not realize this. But on the independence and on in game changer wrestling specifically, Nick Gage might as well be Hogan. Nick Gage is just as as over a baby face as one can be. he's just i i there are very few people that I've seen in promotions that are as universally beloved as Nick gage. The whole crowd just goes wild for him. And when you see Nick Gage wrestle, you realize that, of course, the violence is a big part of who he is. But it's it feels authentic to him. Ultimately, Nick Gage is about a connection with the audience, not about violence, not about gore, not about light tubes, not about senseless spots. Nick Gage has an undeniable, unmistakable, and... and... And a connection with the audience that you can't mimic. You can't create. He's that connected with that audience. There's an authenticity to Nick Gage that is almost nowhere in wrestling. It's amazing. It's amazing to watch it. It's amazing to see it in person. But that match itself, if you watch the whole match, it's just such so perfectly done. Nick Gage... Spends most of the first part of the match taking a ton of damage. And that's the thing, too. Like, if Nick Gage were just a senseless, violent, death matches for the sake of death matches, light tubes for the sake of light tubes, hit you over the head with stuff guy, he wouldn't spend the first half of the match selling. He wouldn't spend the first half of the ma- match taking stuff. But the whole first half of the match was Matt Cardona beating up Nick Gage and Nick Gage taking damage. The fans are getting restless. The fans are getting rowdy. We don't like this. We don't like this. And something that people also, and I don't want to pull the curtain back too far, but something people don't realize about the GCW fans in my interpretation of what I saw is that they're just like any other wrestling fan. They're not stupid. They're not actually sitting here. Like, there's no guardrails. There's no anything. Matt Cardona came out and was bombarded by people. He was perfectly safe. Nobody was there to beat him up. Nobody was there to stab him. Nobody was there to get him. Everybody was there to be entertained by a wrestling show. It felt real, and that's sort of atypical, unfortunately. But ultimately, Matt Cardona is a law-abiding superstar. And GCW is a place that's full of outlaws. Matt Cardona shows up. As the bad guy. So what do the fans do? They boo the bad guy. And they cheer the good guy. It's what you're saying. It's classic pro wrestling. Just a little bit more violent than you're used to. Because the second third of the match is Matt, Car- is Matt Cardona getting beat up. Is Is Nick Gage getting everything back. The fans are behind him. Light tubes. And like that's where Matt Cardona. Believe whatever you want to believe. He already had the respect. Like. Honestly, Matt Cardona had the respect of that audience when he tricked them at the last show into thinking that he was John Moxley under the hood, you know, that I think most people have seen on the internet. But when he ended up a bloody mess, going through glass, taking light tubes, doing everything, he had won the entire crowd over. Everybody in that crowd respected him. Everybody in that crowd was entertained. Everybody in that crowd knew that Matt Cardona had gone outside of his comfort zone to really push to the limit what your definition of seeing Matt Cardona wrestle was. And that's what he's been good at for so long, by the way. Matt Cardona, Zack Ryder, whatever it is. And then in that third section of the match, there was just, there was just, there was so much heat being built, intentional heat being built up. They played Judas at one point and people thought Chris Jericho was coming out because, you know, Nick Gage has the match coming up with Chris Jericho, but it wasn't Chris Jericho. It was a trick. That Zack Ryder had played on everybody, Matt Cardona. Then the boys from 40H came out, which is a, a, a faction in GCW that Nick Gage has a lot of history with. And they start interfering in the match. And their leader, Ricky Shane Page, comes out and he stops 40H from interfering. He goes, Leave him alone. And Ricky turns on him and he starts beating up his own faction because he wants them to leave Nick Gage alone because Nick Gage is the legend. And then Ricky daps up Nick Gage and they they, they it looks like they're about to beat up Zack Ryder and then boom, Ricky Shane Page hits Nick Gage with the low blow. Matt Cardona hits a rough rider. One, two, three. Matt Cardona of all people wins the GCW championship. So now you're left with this audience that not only has the anti-hero of all anti-heroes beaten their Hogan and taken their title. But he tricked them into thinking Jericho was showing up. And all that anger that was built up by the Ricky Shane Page interference, all of this has finally come to a head and the ring gets bombarded with garbage. And I'm like, to me, I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was storytelling, and I thought the garbage was symbolic of everything. Like, if you didn't want fans throwing garbage into the ring, you could have done half that stuff and still told a similar story. What you wanted to do was take those fans on a ride, have them feeling something, have them feeling emotion, and that was the visual representation of the emotion that we felt. It worked perfectly for that match, and Matt Cardona soaked it in. He has never been in a situation where there was that kind of effect. I mean, I'm telling you, it that crowd reminded me of early take, of takeovers in arenas. When you went to a takeover in arena and from bell to bell, from start to finish, it was just energy and people on their feet. The thousand people that were there in that room sounded and felt like 15,000 people. And I'm not exaggerating. And I was surprised when I got home from the show and, you know, the next morning to see that uh, there were some people that thought that the garbage was a bad thing. The stuff being thrown at the ring was a bad thing. And uh, I don't get that at all. You know, look, I think if you're using that spot to condition people to throw garbage at the ring, every single show, then yeah, that's a bad thing. But like, you know, every now and then, like the NWO showing up, And having garbage thrown at the ring during that first promo. Not something that should happen every night. But when Hogan turns and garbage gets thrown at the ring. It made it so much better. When ECW had that moment. Where fans threw chairs and filled the whole ring up with chairs. You can't run shows where fans are throwing chairs at the ring. It's unsafe for your workers. It's a a terrible way to do business. But if it happens once and nobody gets hurt. And you had that visual, ECW ran that visual on their show in the opening of the TV show for years. Because it did not like display this sort of recklessness. It did not, to me, display this like uh, casual um, lack of care for the safety of the people who work for your company. To me, it showed how passionate the fan base is about that promotion and about what happens in that promotion. If you go to the next show and fans are throwing garbage again, you got to put a stop to it. But if you've got what you would have to say is the hottest angle you've done in the history of your company and the heat forces people into throwing garbage in the ring, I mean, Matt Cardona just went through... Panes of glass, light tubes, barbed wire. He almost got thrown through a Detolf. You know, I don't think getting hit with an empty aluminum bottle is going to worry him in that moment. If it was every show, of course. But in that moment, I think that Cardona knew, oh my God, this is going to live forever. The world is going to see this because of what it looks like. We got the visual. And that's the way I took it. I mean, top to bottom. Such a fun show and such a great thing to be a part of. Um, Speaking of stuff that really spoke to me, uh, I want to play for you guys this uh, Baron Corbin promo that I think is from Talking Smack. I just saw it on the internet and I tweeted it because it's just, Corbin is so good, man. One thing happened on SmackDown, uh, Shotzi's tank went off and fired like a tennis ball or whatever it was into Baron Corbin's nuts. And it was one of those things that you wanted to be like, oh, this is so stupid. This is dumb. Why would they do that? But because it was Corbin, it was hilarious. Like, it should have been dumb. And on paper, again, like like on paper, you could criticize what GCW did. And on paper, you could criticize Nick Gage as a performer. But when you actually see it happening, you're like, this is fantastic. This is what wrestling is all about. And when, like, you see on paper, you know, Baron Corbin was upset about having no money and then he got hit in the nuts and fell over. It's like, oh my God, what are we doing? Shows for four-year-olds? And then when you watch it, I don't care how old you are, you were laughing. It was hilarious. It was great. And that's because Baron Corbin, it really ultimately was about the sound. Baron Corbin just keeling over and going, oh, <laughs> and hitting the ground. But after SmackDown, uh, Kayla Braxton talk to baron corbin and i want to play the promo for you i tweeted the video out at not sam if you haven't seen it uh, I,
2: I i'm it looks like a lot of you have uh but here here it is it's so good i mean if i really need to explain it to you i will look when i was a king my paycheck was like twenty thousand dollars a week every single week that's what i got and so you start getting these monster paychecks and you're like okay now I can get a million-dollar house. Now I can get the truck I want. Now I get the car I want. Then you get the jewelry. And you start buying these things because this 20 grand is coming in every single week, and you're living large. And now, at the end of the month, you have $60,000 in bills. You have taxes. You try to put a little bit in investments. And I I bought into Bitcoin when it was $62,000 a share, and now it's at 30. And I borrowed some money to buy that. So all of a sudden, you know, all these bills catch up, and then... Then I lose the crown, right? With the crown came that money. Now, I can't even say with pride what my weekly check is. It doesn't cover the payment on one of my vehicles. Now they've taken three or four. My wife is, I mean, disappointed is the word. It's embarrassing. I have to go home to this, and I I just don't don't have the the income coming in uh, or the luck to even try to turn it around. So when you fall hard it, it it's fast.
1: Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck, okay? Good luck.
2: I mean, you say rock bottom, but like it just seems like things keep getting worse. What what is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, You go, okay, today is Friday, and I woke up in Cleveland, and I'm going, how much worse can it get? And then I go to breakfast, and I can't afford, you know, a couple of eggs. And then, I mean, I didn't have a can opener, so I just banged the can on the sidewalk until it opened, and then I had some, but I spilled it. Do you know how to get stains out of dress shirts?
1: I will actually personally help you do that. Uh, Baron, thanks for, thanks for chatting with us.
2: And you're, you're done. You're going to bring up all this painful well, stuff and then you're just going to leave. Well, yeah,
1: we do have to get back to, to the studio. So I'm I'm going to toss it back to you guys.
2: You didn't have a can
0: opener. You <laughs> didn't have a can opener. What do you want the guy to do? No can opener. He's doing this whole interview sitting on the floor, by the way. Caleb Braxton added Joe Rogan next to him trying to get the interview. Dude, it is so good. Baron Corbett. And thank God I've been singing the praises of Baron Corbin for so long. Everybody comes around eventually. I'm very seldom wrong. When it comes to pro wrestling, I'm so extremely seldom wrong. It just sometimes takes people a long time to catch up with me. When I saw this guy in NXT, and it came up on the big screen, and he said, a lot of guys wrestled for for $2 and a, a handshake and a hot dog, he said. People went around town to town wrestling for a handshake and a hot dog to build their reputation just to get here. Me, I made a phone call. He came from the NFL. He's playing with Patty Max. And now look at him. When he did that promo, by the way, I was like, this is great. This is the antithesis of everything NXT is. It wasn't that dissimilar from Matt Cardona showing up in GCW. It was Baron Corbin being like, oh, you love all your indie guys, right? You love your Kevin Owens. You love your Sami Zayn. You love your Finn Balor's. Well, I've never even wrestled before. And I'm making a ton of money doing this. I'm better than everybody. And I didn't have to do any of that nonsense in the gyms. Oh, what a character. So good. And now we see it progress into this version. And it's like, You can sit there and you can go through the old takeovers. You can go through the old NXT shows. And you can say, oh, whatever happened to that guy? Whatever happened to, uh, I just made a phone call, Baron Corbin. Well, he bought a whole bunch of Bitcoin and it went belly up. And Nakamura took his crown. I also love that he's not even talking about Shinsuke anymore. This has gone beyond a, a, a rivalry between two superstars. This isn't about that. This is character building. This is Baron Corbin creating a character. And you talk about somebody. They can take material and make the most of it. I mean, Corbin is playing on a different level. If you don't see that, and I think people do now. I think people are all coming around, and people are going to figure out, like, guys like The Miz, guys like Baron Corbin, they're breathing rare air in terms of their ability. Rare air. And I love what Baron Corbin is doing, and I don't know where this goes. And I love that I don't know where this goes. Same thing with the Finn Balor thing. I was on the Patreon Zoom that we do, and I was saying if it were me, I'd at least pitch the idea of maybe eventually turning Baron Corbin into like a motivational speaker, you know, maybe maybe getting his footing again and becoming a motivational speaker. Like if I can come back, you can come back, and, but being an asshole about it, you know, staying a heel. Baron Corbin should be a heel forever. But I'm not even worried about that. I want this to continue. I love where this is going. Not getting haircuts. I might grow mine out just to match his. And like the way he complains about it, like, Oh, woe is me. I used to make $20,000 a week and now I don't who makes $20,000 a week. Like when he goes on SmackDown and he's like, I don't need a lot. I just need a hundred thousand dollars. Who's got a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, you don't understand how tough things are. I I had to fire my maid. Who's got a maid. This rich guy is complaining about not being rich anymore. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And I love it. And I love what he's doing. And I want to get Baron Corbin on the podcast so we can talk about, you know, what he's got to do to get back on his feet. So great. Uh, Caleb Braxton is the reporter doing that great journalistic work for WWE. And Caleb Braxton is someone I've known for a while and somebody that I've wanted to get on the podcast for a while. In fact, I wanted to get Caleb Braxton on the podcast uh, pre-pandemic, but then there was a pandemic. However, people are back on the road now including one Kayla Braxton rang her up. I said, Hey Kayla, while you're on the road, why don't you make a stop into the not Sam studio? That's exactly what she did. That's why this week she is my guest, the one and only Kayla Braxton.
1: The not Sam wrestling interview
0: here with me in the not Sam studio for the very first time. Somebody that I've known for quite a while. I have no idea for how long, but quite a while, ladies and gentlemen, The one and only Kayla Braxton is here.
1: Finally, it's taken you years to invite me, and I'm just so honored it finally happened because I assume all your other guests were busy. Oh, yeah, everybody. Everybody (laughs) was booked,
0: and I was like, I need somebody right now. (laughs) No, I mean, I wanted to do it in person, Yes. especially Uh. now, right? Like, I'm so sick of doing things on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, all schedules kind of got pushed back about a year and a half in terms of doing things in person with anybody.
1: Yes, true. It's so nice. Yeah, we are. So actually, now we're, we're here, right? Now we're here. Yeah. Uh oh.
0: Yeah. I And I do think we talked about doing something like...
1: A long time like ago. A like, like a year and a half before the ago. world shut right. down. So right. we're picking right up to where we left off here.
0: Yeah, I feel like that happened a lot. Like, you're like, yeah, we'll get to it. And then yep. pandemic starts and then you start going like, okay, <laughs> what was my plan like a year and a half ago? Let's see if we can get back to that. But I also feel like you have uh, kind of come into your own in a pretty remarkable way during a fairly atypical time. Would you say that you feel that way as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been really cool. Definitely uh, new opportunities and experiences that have kind of come in, uh, come up over the last year and a half. Yeah. Uh, before the pandemic, you know, WWE's The Bump had kind of just started. At the time, I wasn't hosting Talking Smack or kickoff shows. So all of this has kind of happened since the... Since everything went down, so we'll see if I can keep up with it now that we're all back in person.
0: <laughs> yeah, do you feel like? Uh, I mean, I don't think that would change anything. I don't think it would either. Yeah,
1: <laughs> bring on more.
0: But you like it. You like doing oh, so much now.
1: I love it, and I just love the you know getting to be personality driven versus you know says interviews on SmackDown. Right. You know, it's very structured. Um, so it's been really cool to step into that that host seat and
0: and it it's interesting because. I mean, I watched an interview with you, and you said you were not a big wrestling fan before coming to WWE. Mm-hmm. But I talked to Matt Camp, and he said you're a longtime subscriber <laughs> of the After Mags. And uh, you've known this stuff for a very long time. Matt
1: Camp, he's just, he's just outing. Blowing up my spot here. <laughs> uh, no, I came in completely blind to wrestling as a whole. Uh, obviously, specifically WWE. Really quickly learned, because when you work here, you hit the ground running, and you have no choice but to to absorb everything, even when we are not trying to. Yeah, so. but
0: I feel like there are people that don't, like, you, I have encountered, And look, I'm like a super fan, obviously, no. so, yeah. Wait, what's the name of the show? <laughs> <laughs> but so, like, I feel like I know within the first uh, two sentences, number one, whether you actually watch wrestling, and number two, whether you're interested in starting to watch wrestling, mm-hmm. and, like, there have been people that it's like, oh, this person not only doesn't watch wrestling, but... It's, has been here for years and doesn't watch wrestling. I think it's pretty amazing that you are going into this space because you can kind of pull that off when you're doing backstage interviews, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're responsible for your segment. You Mm -hmm. can research your You can do whatever you need for that two minutes of TV, and you're good. But when you're hosting the Mm bomb, and when you're hosting Talking Smack, and things just kind of happen, you have to have that knowledge base that you can fall back on. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of amazing that, what, three, four years in, you're comfortable enough with that knowledge base that you oh, can well. fall back on it.
1: Well, maybe I'm just really good at pretending. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, and I always tell people, it, it makes it easier when you develop relationships with a talent here too, because then I'm genuinely invested and interested in what they got going right. on. And so, um, so that's definitely helped.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, is it intimidating? Because if anybody, is going to kind of call you out on not knowing your stuff, it would be Paul Heyman, right? Oh. When you find out that, like, and you're... he
1: does. Oh, he does. We're live, folks, and he will go ahead and expose my lack of knowledge from 1974 or whatever it is. Uh, but also fans. I, I, uh, when I was new and I was doing live events uh, in Florida and the Coconut Loops, as we would call them, mm-hmm. I remember I was trying to do too much because I was so new, but I wanted to prove that I knew the product. And I messed up some, like, stat of someone. And a fan immediately just stood up and he looked at me and he goes, you don't know, like, and just corrected me right there. And that's when I was like, okay, I actually d- need to do my homework because that was embarrassing, <laughs> embarrassing.
0: Wow. He called you out right there. I
1: literally stood up uh, right there at the guardrail and corrected me. I think I maybe had missed, a, like, a championship that someone had had or yeah. how many times they were champion. Maybe I was off by one, but you would have thought that I had called, like, Mixed up The Rock and John Cena or something well, like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, but that's the way we are, right? That's the yeah. way wrestling fans are. It's Very like, passionate. Yeah. If you if we do, if we start to smell, wait a minute. Uh, no. That person doesn't know. What's she doing yep. in there? But it's amazing that you turned around and instead of being like, oh, what a dick that guy in the front row was, you're like, you know what? I should probably make sure that my, all my <laughs> T's are crossed and my I's are dotted before yes. I get in there. Yes. So you start, you come in as an NXT ring announcer, mm-hmm. right? And a, how long were you doing that?
1: Uh, well, I think my, my first gig, so I did a ring announcing for the house shows, not the televised ones. And I was doing the backstage interviews for NXT at the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would say I did the NXT thing for about two years with some sprinkling in of some SmackDown or some Raw stuff whenever I was needed. But I didn't full-time go to SmackDown, I don't think, until maybe th- year three or when- something
0: when you're doing ring announcing, and it's your sort of uh, entree into WWE, are you like, oh, I can get comfortable with this? Or in the very beginning, are you going, whoa, this is a totally different world?
1: I'm going to be honest, and I'm very open about this. Yes. Ring announcing is not something that I want to do. Right. Uh, it's a, it's a skill set, and I think I did find with it, but it is a very difficult job. And those who do it well every week are just incredible. They make it look easy, but it is not an easy job. Mm -hmm. Um, Coming from a broadcast background, uh, I never used my voice like that. We talked like this on camera, not like, da-da-da-da, like all the, yeah. So it definitely took some time to find my voice, but also ring announcing probably is what helped me become a better host, like uh, with hosting the bump, because you just learn how to go on the fly, to interact with people, um, definitely just made me a lot quicker. So I'm grateful for that phase of yeah. my WWE time, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm grateful that that is uh, behind me now. <laughs> and, and I would imagine
0: coming from the outside, you're like, okay, what? I, I get all the information on cards. I go to the ring. I read my card. And they're uh-huh. like, no, you would actually memorize Memorizing,
1: everything. weights, hometowns, nicknames, even like the way I remember uh, AJ Styles, the way uh, he's announced is very like, AJ Styles. And I remember I didn't really know that's how he wanted it done at a house show. And he, I mean, he's so nice about it. but came and corrected me and, like, made me kind of practice doing the way he wanted. Because all the superstars have their certain things. Right. And it's up to us to obviously put that out there. So lots of things to memorize and get down. But um...
0: Yeah, I don't think people think about that. That the the ring announcer is part of the package that this superstar mm-hmm. is building. It's part of the character. It's part of the way. Like, it's mm-hmm. got to sound the same because... You know, I mean, you think about different entrances and announcements, and people do associate that, like, Mm -hmm. syllabic sort of entrance yeah, (laughs) as their brand. And also, I mean, I feel like I'd be really intimidated because I think a lot of guys, if you mess something up, like a hometown or a weight, or even a name because you're Mm -hmm. flustered or whatever, and it's difficult, they'll feel disrespected. They'll be like,
1: 100%. You know? And that's why it's so important when we bring in new ring announcers, uh, and we just say but before the night starts, pull aside the superstars and even just show that you are interested in knowing exactly how they want things done. That goes a long way than just messing it up. And, mm-hmm. yeah, because you've got to gain the respect of these guys and gals. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Baron Corbin was one because then he's billed from Kansas City.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I said Kansas City, Missouri. Now, that's correct, but that's not how he wants it done. And I'm, he was not, he was cool about it, but he kind of came over the rope. Looked at me and goes, it's not Missouri or just something. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: which is which is awesome for Corbin though because he can yell at you but still be in character but get to yes, yell at exactly, you. Exactly, you know? <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> when did you feel like, you know, being in WWE that you're like, okay, I get this. Mm-hmm. Like, I I get like you came in like a like a sheep, right? Yep. Like like you like just just like a lamb, I should say, right? like i like you you know what wrestling is mm-hmm. you're aware of the product obviously but you i mean it's a really complicated thing it's a really complicated business so when did you feel like okay i get what wwe is and i get where i fit in
1: here. Mm-hmm. uh it probably was I had already been here for a couple of years before I think I felt that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, when you go from brand to brand, and and the atmosphere is different from NXT to Raw to SmackDown, mm. so I had the chance to work with all of them, and then kind of understood the lay of the land and how things work here. So I mean, honestly, at the top of the the beginning of the pandemic was oddly how when I started feeling and getting my groove. So
0: wow, yeah,
1: not not too too long ago.
0: Wow, and I mean, has it has it made a difference for you, like? You haven't at the time we're we're taping this, you haven't hosted a pre show in an arena with fans fans, in it, right? I mean WrestleMania, I guess.
1: That's true. But no, you're right.
0: Right? But like that like you haven't sat at the table, you know, in the midst of everything with people walking up behind you and trying to get on camera and everything. It's gonna be a totally new animal, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I haven't really thought about that, so thanks. I'm not nervous now. (laughs) 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 I'm excited though. You know, when Renee Young used to host them and um after her, Charlie Caruso. It was cool to, cool to just sit back and watch the interactions with the fans at at the table. Like I remember sitting there thinking, man, I mean, I think it'd be really cool to, to get to do that. So now we do. Yeah. Starting uh money in the bank. <laughs> right,
0: starting at money in the bank. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a cool thing. So, it's interesting though, that you go like you kind of made it clear that you didn't that ring announcing was not how you saw your long-term mm-hmm. career going cuz you're not a ring announcer, mm-hmm. right? Like you're a broadcaster. Mm-hmm. But that can go one of two ways. You know, I think a lot of people they they get to a spot and you know whether it's WWE or whether it's wrestling or whether mm-hmm. it's whatever and they're like I didn't see myself doing this thing in this company. Mm-hmm. But this I'm doing something. Yeah. Right? It's a huge risk. To kind of put out there, no, I know I'm doing a thing, and like you know, you at, you got to a point where you were at the top, you you were on NXT TV, and mm-hmm. you were doing takeovers and stuff like that, and you go, well, this isn't what I want to be doing. I want to be doing something else. It can go one of two ways. That mm-hmm. can either be really successful, and you can do what you want to do, and it can be great, or it can backfire, it can backfire right? Yeah. Right? It's your your spot's gone.
1: I had a conversation with Michael Cole um, around the time of one of my last takeovers. And I said, you know, I definitely uh, enjoy what I'm doing. Uh, the ring announcer spot, I mean, it, it was really cool, but I was very clear that I wanted to be able to have more opportunities that allowed more creative freedom. Mm-hmm. So he, I always let him know in the most respectful way possible this isn't the path that I want, and I will do this. That will be the best ring announcer I can be for you. But if these other opportunities open up, I would like to also explore those. So I think just having that attitude and mentality. Uh, and being open about it was what opened doors. Oh yeah, we remember Kayla said she wanted to host something. Well, let's let's throw her in this. So. Right,
0: and yeah, and you just kind of have to trust the process at yep. that point, right? Not be like, "Hey, I'm too good for this. Oh, I don't yeah. want to do that." It's like, I'll do if this is what you want me to do.
4: Yep,
0: I'm good. Like yep. I'll do it. I think I could be an asset over here. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's a that's a pretty smart way to do it. When you got what you wanted or started to move in that direction. Are you the type of person that goes like, oh man, this is kind of intimidating? I have to prove it now, or were you are you self-assured enough to go like, yep, I wanted this because I know I'm gonna be good here?
1: Uh whew. even doing the bump, it took me some time to not just feel so Nervous and anxious because it was it's a new product. Right. They put their faith in me to host it. At this time, I hadn't hosted anything for this company. So it's not like they had seen my host work yet. Mm. So I just felt there was a lot of pressure. And then even moving on, I remember when I was told that I was going to do Talking Smack and hosting kickoff panels. And Cole was so just like, yeah, you got this. I mean, he, not even like, <laughs> he just had so much confidence and yeah. faith. So it just made me feel a lot more at ease. Yeah. And like, Kickoff shows, I still get it's it's nerve wracking. I know. Um, draft, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's nerve wracking. <laughs> uh, but I think because I've seen the faith people put into me over the last several months, and I've gotten into my groove, and I think I've developed uh a personality that people know what they're going to get when they see me to the point where I feel like I get to show more of my personality backstage interviews and not you know just be um you know not saying stiff, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. to have uh, so yeah. Again. I, last few months i think getting into the groove brand brand new i mean mm.
0: i i think that like experiences like different experiences sort of uh are the only things that equip you for future experiences mm-hmm. and i'd have to imagine that like like this year at wrestlemania when it goes from okay you're hosting your first wrestlemania kickoff show which is i mean i don't even know if people like it's
1: even my the kickoff only second show. overall kickoff show. Oh my God. So I did the one right before that was just to like get my feet wet, oh. and then WrestleMania was second. I was like, oh my gosh, in a two day one.
0: Yeah, and it's the WrestleMania kickoff the show, Wrestle- and it's this WrestleMania. It's yes. the
3: first
1: yep.
0: WrestleMania, and we're back in a stadium, and this is big. And then they go, oh, by the way, we can't start the show. You're you're all the planning we throw it out the window. The script is you're finished. You got to the end of the script. We need you to still be on for a oh, little while. <laughs> the
1: weather delays. I'll yeah. tell you what, that was something else. Something else. But it was really fun. I, I think I thrive in those situations to where you're just kind of thrown and just do it. Like, don't think, just go. Yeah. And it all turned out really well. It was just, it was, a, it was, I'm kind of glad it happened like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that people will remember forever. And I'm sure a fun thing to be a part of. Yeah. Was it fun in the moment though, or is it fun in hindsight?
1: Uh, probably in hindsight, we were all kind of freaking out a little bit because we weren't <laughs> sure what people expected of us. Uh, By night two, we were already expecting something like that to happen again, so we were ready. But yeah, night one was, whew.
0: That's what I mean. I like, like, was sweating. <laughs> like after you do night one, it's like, well, now this could happen to me at every pay-per-view. Yep, like always I'm, be prepared. I know what it feels like. I know what it is, but it's just that night one where you're like, All right, I guess we're going to go. But this is what you asked for, right? I mean, talk about independence. It's Uh, like, just, we're going to turn these cameras on, and can you do something for a while? Yeah.
4: Yeah.
1: And again, it's just them believing, you know, if they didn't think we could do it, they wouldn't have put us in that position. So just them having so much faith in us that we could pull it off is just really, it's a good feeling, and then obviously boosts our confidence, so.
0: Okay, so we talk about, you know, the pressures on a ring announcer, the fact that, you know, there is a part of it where it's like, you're responsible for the way these superstars are perceived. But it has gone even further for you in terms of being a part of a storyline. Mm-hmm. Of course, the. Oh, no.
1: Roman. Ah! Wow.
3: It's a big, it's Bringing a, up old <laughs> stuff, are we?
1: was
0: <laughs> <It's> important. <laughs> right. And you have to, you're going to be part of this thing. That's the launch of a big storyline. That's going to be replayed many, many times, as I'm sure you're aware. Yes. Was that a fun thing to do?
1: It was. That was something else that was That was really nerve-wracking. And you're a horror
0: movie fan. Yes. And you get to scream.
1: I let horror fans down. I, <laughs> just, I wasn't planning on screaming, uh, but, um, but we, were, we were kind of going through it. And I was just like, I have to scream. Yeah. You better scream. And I'm like, I don't know what my scream sounds like. Mm-hmm. Don't know the last time I've screamed like that.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And
1: so that, when we t- took, that was first take. Only scream, only practice scream. And I watched it back like, oh, my gosh, Kayla, come on. <laughs> so embarrassing. One of my most embarrassing to- moments. Really? To be, yeah. You find that to be like
0: on your list of embarrassing moments?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was a very cool moment, but, I, man, I wish I had done better. Next time I'll practice my scream. I mean,
0: <laughs> I guess, but you... You pulled it off, but it's not like you said something stupid or something like that. I mean, I've done way more embarrassing stuff
4: than that.
1: <laughs> oh, that was fun, though. But yeah, being put in storylines has been, has been really cool. Um, and that's, I think, when I get to show my...
4: Yeah,
0: creative my, side.
1: Yeah, I was going to say sassy, but sassy. my sassy creative <laughs> <laughs> yeah, side. Yeah, your sassy side.
0: But so, okay, so you find it embarrassing. Does it feel better? Like, when it's getting replayed in all the packages... That means even if you don't like it, like somebody goes like, yeah, this is what we're trying to convey. Like it means it wasn't a it wasn't a bad job, Every right? time
1: that someone replays that in a package, I get tweeted, I get tagged. People just tearing me to pieces <laughs> on the social media for that scream.
0: Well, you know, this is one of the things I like about you, though. And one of the reasons you have such a good Twitter account is uh, you suffer no... Fools. I mean, you will go back at people. You'll, I mean, you'll put people in punishment. You'll go like, okay, my Twitter account's going away for a while. Yeah. Like, this is, you don't even, you, you don't get to experience this anymore. And then you'll come back, yeah, you'll come call back, people yeah. out. <laughs> I like it. I, we'll I, make, I, yeah. I like that you call people out.
1: I gotta, I try, I try to tread lightly. But, um, but yeah, sometimes you, these wrestling fans need to be put in their place.
0: Sometimes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you go for, okay, somebody's at Cocoa Beach and they're like, hey, you should have done that. That guy was right. But you and my mentions, You are not right. You are wrong, and and punishment needs to go down. Was that another sort of uh, weird thing for you to be in this space? Because I'm sure when you're working in, like, the news, it's not like people are tweeting you being like, hey, you suck.
1: Yeah, not nearly as much. Of course, there's always, you're opening yourself up to that the moment you decide to be an on-air talent of any sort, but nothing like WWE. Um, And I've had to really work on getting thicker skin, Mm -hmm. but sometimes... You know, people know where to hit and where to hit hard. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I, my approach is to to make it, like, funny. So if I respond, I try to do it in a joking way. So it's not like. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's
0: difficult because I think, like, the smartest thing to do is to not give it air. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To just ignore it. But, like, that's a lot easier said than
1: done. A lot easier said. I know. I love when people will say, just ignore them. I'm like, all right, bro. Yeah, let
0: me, try, let me see your ad yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me see what you're dealing with. Let me get my with. burner <laughs> accounts going. I'm coming
1: after you. <laughs> yeah. Something's
0: going to happen. Because it is, like, one of those things that I'm sure you don't get it in person.
1: Exa- I never do. Never. Like, the same person who's saying that horrible thing on Twitter will be first in line to get an autograph. Right. So,
0: Although I really respect, like, I was, uh, I think it was, like, SummerSlam in Canada, I want to say and i went to like the superstore like just walking around and some little kid walked up to me he was like are you sam roberts i was like yeah nice to meet you and he was like okay i have two things to say to you i was like oh cool what what's that And he was like you need a haircut and to do better commentary and i was
1: like <laughs> well there's some respect for face face. i really did right? like i was like that's funny when he was like
0: eight i was like good for you
1: yeah. I don't know. <laughs> if i'd be like yeah so a celebrity you guys like going up to them and saying something i could do it yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so what you weren't a wrestling fan necessarily growing up no what were you a fan of growing up
1: uh big basketball fan growing up i wanted to play for the wnba but i never hit five feet is so, that the,
0: i mean i would say like most people say i never hit six feet
1: Never like. hit five. Feet. <laughs> so, uh, but I played all through high school. Uh, wanted to go play the next level. You could have been
0: like the Lady Mugsy Bogues. Though. Could
1: have been. Well, I was like, uh, that was when I think Ivory Lotto had first gotten put into. I think she went to the Atlanta Dream back then, mm-hmm. but she was only five one. Oh. So I thought this is this is a sign. Yeah. But yeah, still the world said no. So right. I went and studied uh, sports broadcast journalism, thinking I would just end up talking about it. Right. Um, obviously, I didn't end up in that route exactly, but sports entertainment. I think it's even a it's way more entertaining, and I love entertainment news as well. So
0: I would, I would hope that sports entertainment is more entertaining than sports. To sports. I mean, it's hits a whole <laughs> separate.
1: <laughs> oh, I would much rather be. Oh, I, yeah, I think working backstage with WWE is probably one of the most entertaining. Yeah. Jobs for what we do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that that entertainment. Journalism on some level must have appealed to you, too, and this was a meshing of the two worlds.
1: Well, my first job out of college wasn't in sports, but it was as an entertainment travel host Mm. for the local NBC affiliate in Orlando. had a show called Orlando My Way, and my job was to just travel around Central Florida, eating at all the cool restaurants, going to theme parks, going to surf school, whatever, and doing pieces on it. Like, the dream job. Yeah, that's one
0: of those jobs that, like, everybody watches going like, Okay, I want to have a job like that, and I'm like, that's not a that's not a job that you want. It
1: was a real job. Did it for two years, uh, but it was really cool that WB came about because it's I can bring in a lot of that. And that's when Cole hired me. He said, I saw all your stuff with Orlando My Way, and that's what we want to see from you here. And I was like, great. So, um, and I've gotten to do some pieces like uh, on the bump, uh, kind of like that as well, where it's just entertainment driven. So yeah, I want to do more.
0: Do you miss going out and doing? stuff all the time or do you like that you know you're a studio person more now
1: oh I kind of I loved it um I would totally do it again maybe there's opportunities down the line here that there's some kind of now that we're back on the road and going to all these cities um kind of creating a little travel show type thing on the road with our superstars so yeah definitely something I want I want out there in the world if anybody's listening they let like
0: <laughs> Kathy Kelly like skydive with the iconic or something did. like that yeah, something she does crazy. some crazy cool
1: stuff with WWE now. So yeah, that kind of thing I would like to somehow get brought back.
0: That's one of those that's another one of those things though. It's like what I'd like to do is a travel show <laughs> with WWE where I am on WWE and I get to travel the world and do cool stuff with the superstars. And like, yeah, there's it takes a unique person to actually pull off that pitch yeah. cuz that's yeah, how about you and everybody? Everybody,
1: I know. <laughs> luckily, I feel like the bump is a place for that. Like having a a segment that's put into our show from being on the road. And since I'm on the road every week, I think pieces like that could get shot and then put into the into the show.
0: Now, yeah, so like with the bump, do you do you worry at all that people are going to be like, well, no, now you host the pre-show, so somebody else is going to host the bump. Like I'm, I, it sounds like you don't want to. You want to add to your plate, yeah, but you're not really looking to. No give one's up, coming from
1: you're... my no one's coming from my seat, so that's not
0: happening. <laughs> okay. you, really, you really have learned wrestling. You're like no 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 that's my spot. Yeah, <laughs> no,
1: I've been one of do the bump has been um, when Brian Pelagato approached me about hosting it, and we weren't really sure what it was going to to turn into. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think it's been kind of what got me through and kept me. Uh, like the positive outlook throughout the pandemic because it's just such a cool show. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I absolutely, I love it. It's probably my favorite thing that I that I do here. So, um, so no, and I think you know it, it's good that I'm on the bump and on talking smack, and people can kind of you know expect know what they're gonna expect with a host that's kind of
3: yeah. all over the place. So yeah.
1: until someone gets really sick of me, I hope <laughs> I hope I can keep all my chairs.
0: Yeah, and you get better too, right? It's reps. Like you're yes. like doing all these different things with different people. And so whatever circumstance you're thrown into, you're gonna be ready. So let's talk a little bit more about Paul Heyman.
1: Oh, okay. Because
0: you know, I mean, I, I I love me some Paul Heyman, but I also have been across a microphone with Paul Heyman mm-hmm. more than once. And it's it's because he sets the pace, <laughs> it becomes something where you're like, okay, we're 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 traveling at a different rate now. Yeah. Right? We're sped up and it's like it's like you're a really good driver, right? <laughs> But now you're on a NASCAR track. Yeah. And it's like, I've never taken these turns at 70 miles per hour. And I have to keep going. Like, this is the level that Mm -hmm. I have to keep up with. When you first find out that Paul Heyman is going to be your co-host on Talking Smack, is this like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Oh, this is going to be interesting. Like, how are we feeling?
1: Uh, Well, I think at that time, because I'd already had, I'd already gone through like four co-hosts at that point.
0: Were they all, I'm assuming they were all quitting because they were like, I can't work with Kayla.
1: (laughs) That was it. You know what? Now that I think about it, I don't think I had known, I didn't know Paul very well prior Uh to being told he was going to be my Uh co-host. But one thing that I I realized, like, wow, they're putting Paul Heyman next to me on the show. They must really care about this show because, you know, we could could say a lot about Mr. Heyman, uh, but he is brilliant. And I've become a much better host because of him. Like, being able to, like... Go back and forth with him, my quick wit has gone up here. Right. So, yeah, he he's kept me very sharp. Yeah,
0: and it's one of those things where Talking Smack kind of went back to being one of those shows that the clips were like essential yeah, viewing. He was like driving every storyline. Every week <laughs> yep. it was like, you got to, this promo happened on Talking Smack, or this conversation between mm-hmm. this person and that person. And I mean, yeah, and, and even. Look at this tension between Paul Heyman and Caleb Braxton. I this know. is fantastic.
1: I know, and I've, I've I've loved it. It obviously took some time to understand how he hosts, and mm-hmm. um, because I I've and I would always say it. I don't have a co-host on this show, like a co-host, and i always joke with him on air. I'm like, you need to go to improv class and know what yes and is. I said I oh, can't yeah. get through the top. <laughs> I have I have traffic and like hit things I need to hit throughout the show, and I ask him. So what did you think about this? He's like, I don't care. Like I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't like talk. But it was funny because then I, of, of course, had to. But you also
0: know he was just doing that.
1: Oh, of course.
0: Because he want like oh, he was doing one, that to you. One
1: hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. But it was yeah. It's not like having a co-host you can like go back and forth <laughs> yeah. and talk about things that happened on the show. So uh, yeah, that, that he's 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 one of a kind, but definitely helped me big time.
0: Yes, and now you've got a uh, you got McAfee on there with you.
1: I know, uh, man. He's funny. Uh, he he's he's someone I would like to potentially do more stuff with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was our first time. He got thrown onto Talking Smack three weeks ago, mm-hmm. and that was our first time ever working together. And so it's always kind of when you get thrown a new co-host you've never worked with before. It's like how do we? It's 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 a risk to see if we sure. can like vibe off of each other. But he's another one who's just so good and so quick.
0: I love with Pat that like, I feel like it happened. A little bit with, like, it's happening a little bit less with every gig, but it definitely happened on the Mm pre-shows. And then it definitely happened when he got in the ring. And then it happened, like, but a little bit less. And then a little bit less when he got to commentary. And now I feel like people trust when it's on Talking Smack. But the thing that happens is, like, there's just something about him where at first everybody's like, who the hell is this (laughs) guy? Why is he acting like that? He's an idiot. And then you just give him a chance. And you're like, oh. I think I love him. I think he's great. It's
1: crazy how quickly he just got I mean, it. Like yeah. just got it. I love listening to him on commentary.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and with you, on talking Smith. Yeah, yeah. hey,
1: yeah, we've had we've had some fun. Yeah, he, his little dance moves can get a little better, but you know, we we probably <laughs> <laughs> <like. laughs>
0: you should be careful. He'll be sitting on the back of your head. I know. Eventually. My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so what? When as you look into like what's happening now in WWE, are there Things that you want to do other than a travel show, <laughs> Like, are there goals that you have or things that you want to do? Or are you more sort of, I'm just going to keep getting better at what I'm doing. And, like, pay attention to opportunities as they open themselves up.
1: Definitely. I mean, I think I'm def- I'm in a good spot right now. Yeah. Um, Podcasting has been something that I- I've thought about. I don't know what about what. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea of a podcast. I can just steal some tricks from that you. That could actually
0: be the name of the <laughs> show. I don't know what about what. I don't
1: know <laughs> like what that, about what. That, that, a,
0: that, I would listen to that <laughs> would show. Would you? Yeah. yeah. Um, and every week you come on, you're like, I didn't know about this, yeah. but I just watched this documentary. And I don't know what about what, but...
1: There you go. See, so yeah. you, you can be my producer. Yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Uh, so yeah, I, I think just kind of still branching off, and I was actually working on a, on a concept before everything shut down. Very between two ferns meets, like, I don't even know. Just a really, just a comedy piece.
0: I I kind of feel like you also are like, and then I could be mean to people.
1: And I mean, that's kind of why. Um, But like, there was no talk about wrestling, you know, because it's another thing with hosting all these shows. I'm talking about the same. I was doing the Braxton Beat for a while during the pandemic. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm hosting three different shows a week, all with the same guests talking about the same things. Mm -hmm. Let's switch it up. Mm -hmm. Let's. They know this is their superstar. They know what championship they're holding, blah, blah, blah. blah. Mm-hmm. But let's not talk about that at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, just more hosting stuff, I guess, is the answer. <laughs> yeah, just, just
0: if there's any other opportunity. I always think it's so, like, crazy when I think about it that this is a job, you I, know, to talk. I know. Like, especially about things that people are doing that they're like, oh, you're really good at that thing. In fact, you're so good, you've made it so that I can make a living just talking yeah. about what you do. But I do. But you're right. I mean, there's just more people are like, "Oh, I'd like to hear Kayla talk about this." And you're like, "All right, well, I'd, I'd like to talk about this." <laughs> I, yeah, so I think <laughs> we can make that work. Yeah, yeah. So you're a horror movie fan as well. I am. I'm a horror movie fan. Have you? Is this something that you've been a fan of forever, or did you kind of fall into it at some place? Yeah.
1: I mean, I from my earliest memories, because my mom and older sister were big horror movie fans. So I was watching movies I probably shouldn't have been watching at my age. Mm-hmm. Um, like, um, even from, like, uh, the It franchise, before it was, like, a, a movie, mm-hmm. that was my introduction into to horror.
0: Like the TV, the TV Tim Curry. Yes, yeah. and
1: then, uh, yeah, I mean, I watch a horror movie every night. every night i download all their like i have shutter and all the streaming service i just yeah every night i'm gonna be the first one at theater for a new horror movie even if it's got horrible reviews Mm -hmm. uh i just love my my apartment is decked out in horror movie posters wow you're the
0: real deal look at you
1: i do do love i do love it
0: so did you so i guess like i mean as a horror movie fan myself when the fiend came out right and he started doing all this weird non-wrestling character
1: (laughs) we've ever had on like my absolute favorite like chills yeah
0: and when he died and like came back, I'm like, "Have you guys never seen Friday the Thirteenth? <laughs> like, why are you? Why is this so confusing to people? <gasps> <I
1: know>. Yeah,
0: <laughs> like, Jason went to hell and he still came back and went to space after he went to hell. That's the way this stuff works.
1: Uh, so shocked, so surprised. But
0: like, I also think with the fiend and horror movies, like the thing that like wrestling fans that don't watch horror movies are trying to wrap their head around like heel, babyface, this, yep. that, and I'm like. When you go to a horror movie, mm-hmm. you go to Halloween or Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddie, Michael Myers, Jason, they're obviously the villains, mm-hmm. right? They're killing innocent people. Yeah. Like they're people that are just trying to have a good time with themselves. Freddie, people are just trying to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, Friday the 13th, people are just trying to have sex and do drugs at camp. That's yeah. it. And what yeah. else is camp for? And they're killing them. <gasps> but even though they're the villain, number one, they're the reason that you're going yep. to see the movie. And number two, you don't actually ever want him to die. Like no. you don't, you never want the can- counselor to win. It you want so the villain to, to see win. Them,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. When they reemerge, it's just like, yes. Because right. like, when it ends, it's over. Right. Like, you don't want, um, I think that's why we tweeted. I've been watching the new, uh, the fear street. Have you caught up on.
0: Loved it. I'm up. Yeah. I watched the yeah the 1978. Video. Yeah. 1978. I thought was even better than 1984.
1: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, so I'm excited about Friday for the for the third and final one, right?
0: 1666.
1: Is the 1666 going all the all way all the way back. back? But I don't ever want this witch to go away,
0: right? I, <laughs> yeah, and I would, like for me with those movies like like Fear Street 1984 started, and I was like, oh, this is like fun. It's kind of mm-hmm. kitschy. Like it felt because like it's based on R.L. Stein. Yep. So I was like, I, I I was like I started to feel like okay, it feels like maybe this is made for teenage girls, which I don't have a problem with. Like watch...
1: I watched, I'm with you. It started out like that. right? Then... Like,
0: I watch Cruel Summer, so I'm not, <laughs> oh, like, that's great. not a negative. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, this might be one of those things that I like that's really made for teenage girls. And then when you start to see the gore and the kills, it's like,
1: oh. Like, this is, like. It's
0: for me, too. Next level. Maybe <laughs> yeah.
1: there's some crazy gore.
0: Yeah, and the sandwich cutter. I'm oh, like,
1: wow, that poor girl.
0: And, yeah, I love that. like, I love when movies do stuff like that. When you spend the whole movie getting to know a character and at the very end they shove her head yep. into a deli slicer. I'm like that's balls.
1: That's what it needs to be versus like, oh, happy ending for everyone. No, yeah. everyone needs the like uh, the the sisters and, and and the last one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm glad the older sister, I mean, I, I liked her, but I'm glad she died. Me Otherwise, it would have been too like
0: Yeah. Oh, everything's okay. Everything's yeah. okay. There's yeah. just a bunch
1: of killers coming after us.
0: And I kind of like that as you're watching this trilogy since it's going backwards. The spirit of it is no, no, no. The witch is going to keep coming back. Yeah. And oh, you're yeah. Like, so I'm pretty sure that we're not going to. I hope we don't get back to 1984 and they solve the problem. No. Like it. Like yeah. that town is not.
1: They're fucked. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. like
0: Pennywise is going to keep coming yeah. back. There's no way you can convince me. Oh, I'd
1: be so sad. But it's
0: they're... not. I was. Uh, I was a little disappointed in it. Chapter two, the modern version.
1: OK, why that?
0: I didn't like it very much. Okay, I thought it was like. I thought it might have been a victim of its own hype. Like, I thought it tried to be too much. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved the first, like, the, the remake It Chapter 1, mm-hmm. right? I thought that was awesome. Yep. But then I thought that It Chapter 2 tried to be huge mm-hmm. because It Chapter 1 became huge. And you
1: couldn't, like, outdo the... Yeah,
0: and I was like, you lost me. So I'm there for the Tim Curry It yep. miniseries. Love that. And It Chapter 1.
1: But not so much.
0: I probably won't turn that chapter two on. Yeah. I'll probably be like, I'm good.
1: I feel like I watched. I went to the theater and watched it. But yeah, I, but I may have been drunk. <laughs> so I remember thinking like, okay, like I just like oh, I'll have a couple more uh, White Claws or whatever.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah. If I if I'd gone hawker all summer and was like drinking White Claws while I was watching it, I'd probably be like, oh my god, it's better than the original. <laughs> <This> is great. <laughs> so is that is is it your your favorite horror franchise? Uh, I mean, it's only three movies, really, yeah. if you include the TV miniseries.
1: I think it's just the one that got me into it. It was It, was it and then the Chucky movies, which is funny. Oh, yeah. They're funny to watch as an adult because I remember being so scared. I didn't have baby dolls. Like, I would refuse to have dolls my entire childhood because of, because of, Chucky. of, because of Chucky. Yeah. And then Child's Play, the re- the remake or whatever, came out a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there like, come on. <laughs> with that, with like... <laughs> this is what ruined my childhood?
0: <laughs> yeah, we're like... Uh... Chucky is now like controlling Ubers and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And
1: then Psycho, like the, what the, early one, like uh, the first,
0: the Hitchcock one or the like or the black and Re- white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah.
1: uh, terrified to stay in motels. Huh. Terrified. I just have this motels was oh that ruined motels for me.
0: Have you ever seen Motel Hell?
1: I don't know if I have. It's great. Is it's it? like
0: this weird movie from the eighties okay. where they, uh, I mean they're cannibals and they plant people.
1: They they plant people.
0: Yeah, it's great though. It's called like, <laughs> there's a sign outside called, it, it's Motel Hello, except the O is like blinking.
1: Oh, uh, I feel like I've seen a, I bet it's, I bet I've scrolled and seen the, or
0: seen the poster. Or the the, the shirt poster. Or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I start, do you, do you start going obscure or do you like your, your franchise familiar horror movies?
1: Because uh, I start,
0: I start going real weird.
1: Yeah, deep. I think I'm probably on the more familiar side. I lately have been trying. To, I have a friend. We text back and forth from like '70s and '80s horror movies. So yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to get in there.
0: Yeah, like Chopping Mall is on uh, Shutter.
1: Chopping Mall. I've I haven't seen it, but Chopping I,
0: Mall is great. I see.
1: Yeah, I've seen it come through. Yeah,
0: Chopping Mall. They uh, kids get locked in the mall, and there's uh, these security robots. Okay. That they've just in, they've just, like they're futuristic. It's in the 80s. So it's like Uh futuristic security robots, but they run amok. And they start running around the mall trying to kill the kids that are locked in. And like the kids have to escape these security robots in a mall.
1: I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Did you see Nicolas Cage's new movie? What was it? Mandy? No. Uh, did you see Mandy? I um, I keep getting told to watch Mandy. It's but wild. I, but I was told, yeah, I was, I was told you might need to have a glass of wine or two. I mean, maybe LSD. Or, or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or something a little stronger. Yeah. Oh, what was this new movie? It just came out. It was in, like, the arcade, and he had to kill all of these. I loved it. I know what it. movie
0: you're talking about. I didn't see it. Oh,
1: I recommend it. I loved it. I cannot think of the name of it right now. He didn't have one line in the entire movie. Really? He did not speak once. <laughs> but it was so good.
0: I love that Nicolas Cage has made this, like like, he's he's leaned into the odd turn. Yeah,
1: and he kills it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think he's great. I think he's really really good. So so okay, so then what's your favorite what's your go-to franchise that you're like, okay, it's late at night, I'm going to bed. Let me put on this movie.
1: Just any kind of movie or horror still? Horror. Um putting it on this movie and going to bed.
4: You don't
1: do that? <laughs> I mean, I watch, again, I wake up at 9 a.m. and start a horror movie. And I, awesome. But then I'll watch it. I know my old house when I used to live in Orlando was this old bungalow, and I, it was always dark. So yeah. I could sit there and, like, be creeped out. And we had a hurricane in Tampa
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: last week, and I was hoping it would be really bad because I was like, I'm gonna, I have all these movies queued up. I'm going to, like, watch all these horror movies and get scared, but it's it sprinkled. That's um, great
0: though. You're sitting there going like, "I'm gonna have a mimosa and watch Halloween <laughs> three seasons of yeah. which, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah." I don't know. It's a hard. It's always a hard question for me. I'm trying to think what posters I have on my wall.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, I always love Halloween. Which excited that we're okay on the.
0: I'm glad you brought up Halloween because I have a question for you, Uh-oh. and I did this on my on my YouTube show. Okay. There are five different Halloween universes within the franchise.
1: Are you about to quiz me on them? No, 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 no. I'm not quizzing me. No, 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 no. No, this
0: isn't like,
3: oh, you like that movie? Prove
1: it. You are a fraud.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I would just want your opinion on okay. it, right? So, all right. I'm gonna. One timeline is Halloween one, two, four, five, six. One timeline is Halloween three, mm-hmm. by itself. No Michael Myers. No nothing. One timeline is Halloween one, two, H2O Resurrection. One timeline is Rob Zombie's Mm -hmm. Halloween 1 and 2. And then another timeline is Halloween 1 and then the remake, the Danny McBride remake, and then Halloween Kills, which will be out in October. Mm -hmm. So... Do you think that deeply about these things? I Do don't actually.
1: <laughs> I'm actually kind of regretting this whole conversation because I don't feel like I was big of a horror fan as, as I as I make myself out to be. No,
0: no. I think uh, <laughs> I think the fact that you're like I'm following you, I'm following. You. Just the uh, fact that you can follow me on this uh, stuff. Do you like the Saw movies? Do you? I uh, love too much? The you Saw. It? I
1: like the gore. Uh, I just watched Spiral. Yes. Um, which was I have not
0: seen Spiral yet.
1: I was. So I'm not gonna spoil anything. I okay. was a little weird of having Samuel Jackson and uh, Chris Rock.
3: Right. Yeah. Yep.
1: I was like, how is this going to work with these two guys as leads? And I'm just going to, I'm not going to say anything, mm-hmm. but I i, I could have done with someone else besides Chris Rock and that.
0: Whoa. In that role. It
1: just takes me out of it, you yeah, know. Yeah, because
0: you love Chris Rock or you know him from comedy it's or something. It's just whatever.
1: more the comedy thing. Yeah. And I hate, one of my biggest pet peeves of horror movies are when they try to be funny. Mm. Uh, Key and Peele kind of, uh, was it, their first was Get Out? Get Out. And there were some comedy elements in it. And I know they're comedians, or he's a comedian. But I just didn't appreciate it. So you
0: didn't really like Get Out.
1: I didn't. I liked this. I liked Us.
0: Us. That was great.
1: But yeah, Get Out, I didn't love it. I, wanted, I wanted to love it. It's because they threw comedy in it. And like, yeah. you can't remove me from that scared space.
0: What about like the cheesy comedy? Like, so do you like when Freddy Krueger starts like dropping one-liners? Or that's oh, annoying? That's, or you like that's,
1: that? And I, that's expected, I feel like. Yes. I feel like it's a different kind of, yes. kind of like, like, scream movies. You know, like it's...
0: Right. Right. Are you excited there's a new screen movie coming out? So
1: excited. I was yeah. hoping Courtney Cox wasn't going to come back.
0: Wasn't going to come so back.
1: So that I could take that role. <laughs> Gail yeah. Weathers over here. Yeah, true.
0: I heard there's a big horror franchise looking for a, Just a random news reporter. Person who's
1: never- <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it.
0: Yeah. They're like, Gail Weathers? You're like, yeah, I'm Gail Weathers. Yep. yep. Yes, I am. You're like, I don't, there's no, yeah, no, no, I'm yeah, Gail like, Weathers. Yeah, who so. I am. Yeah. yeah. see Dewey over here? Yeah, that's my dude. That's, uh, no. Yeah. I'm excited about that. <laughs> Have you met David Arquette?
1: uh i zoom calls like we've had him on some some stuff he is a character that guy
0: he's the greatest yes yeah, i want
1: ridiculous. i really want to meet him in person
0: yeah so i mean that that i feel like is your
1: my my ticket in
0: wrestling horror <laughs> connection yep so when you have him on like zoom calls and stuff you're like all right i have to talk to him about wrestling that's why he's here but i really want to talk yeah. to him about being dewey.
1: yeah so we had him on we did that um that wild Zoom thing to where we started with a few people and then had them call their biggest celebrity, people. And like we, yeah. have, I think that's when I met R. J. City for the first time. Was that's on that a- call. I was like, "Who was this goofball?" <laughs> <laughs> and now I know.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was R. J. City's breakout.
1: Yeah, there we go. Yeah,
0: I remember because I was on that. Oh yeah. And I started to like, <laughs> I started to get the same way I get at parties where I'm like, "There's too many people too here. I'm gonna just sit here quietly. <laughs> I don't want to be here." That was fun
1: though. That was a fun little, yeah. little project.
0: Yeah, and. RJ City got over. Now he's, like, got his own sweatshirt.
1: Listen, I, I joke a, a lot about that guy. Um, we go back and forth often, but I find him very funny. Please scrap this from this interview. <laughs> uh, I think he's really unique, and I like his style a lot, and I want to see him do more stuff yeah. on our side. Uh, yeah, I think he's that's he's a cool dude. He's...
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's kind of what's cool about what's happening uh, with the di- digital space. Mm-hmm in WWE is like, you can try kind of weird things like that. Yep. Like who's RJ city. Has he wrestled here before? No, he's the guy we met on zoom. Yep. He's a wrestler. Yep. But no, we met him at this zoom thing. He was pretty funny. So now we just have him be funny.
1: That's great. Like a non-traditional <laughs> sense of turn or being a broadcaster on air talent. Like it doesn't, we don't all have to be like no this. Yeah,
0: no, no. And the internet kind of allows this stuff to yep. find a home as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: In, uh, in going back, cuz Matt camp also told me that you were talking about watching like the first in your house or whatever and in preparation for all this stuff. Uh-huh. Cuz you do so much stuff. And so much of the stuff on the bump is like, hey, it's NWO week. Mm-hmm. It's this week. It's that week. Like you do have to get to a place where you're pretty well versed not just in the current product, but Yeah. overarching. Is there anything that you've watched that you've been like, oh, that's pretty badass. I wish kind of wish I watched that as a kid.
1: I mean, honestly, any old clips that get thrown off. I'm like, I do wish I grew up being it. Even listening to Matt Camp, and there's times we're getting ready for a show, and I don't know half the, you know, a lot of the stuff because this his fandom goes so far back, mm-hmm. and he typically is my encyclopedia, my in my in my helpline. But But uh, I can't think of anything specifically. But anytime we roll back some of those um, old clips, or the documentaries come out on WWE.com, I'm like, man, I. Uh, it is. It's hard to catch up. It's hard to go from all the like. There's so much it's, stuff.
0: It's overwhelming.
1: It's overwhelming, and even if I sit there and I look, watch the network or Peacock for for hours, I'm like, i I I'm not, I don't feel like I'm even scraping the surface of, of this stuff. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's one of those things where I, I'm sure. I mean, I've seen everything, but like, <laughs> if I hadn't seen everything, I'd be like, I don't even know where to begin with yeah, this stuff, like at all. Because I feel like I'd be like, yeah, I'm watching Bash at the Beach '94, and somebody would call and be like, why? And I go. Oh, did I waste two hours? Oh. Like, there's so much to watch. I don't, I don't know. But it is
1: cool, and seeing the old school guys who now are working backstage. Like a big Michael Hayes fan, one of my favorite people in this. Oh public. yeah, I saw
0: you dressed up as a Freebird. I got so excited. Oh, I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, I thought it was awesome.
1: Uh, but going back and watching uh, clips from these guys when they were in their prime, and like knowing them now, it's so, it's so cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I would have to imagine that, like, Michael P.S. Hayes has got to love the fact that somebody that's in your position has this point of reference that, mm-hmm. like, you go back and you do your history, and then you appreciate it, right? You get it. Mm-hmm. And you come to him and be like, let's talk about the Freebirds yeah. for a while. And he's like, yeah, it's a great idea. Oh, um, he
1: loved it. He was so happy to get to talk about, to talk about the good old days.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, man, I mean, is there anything outside of wrestling that you want to do? Or do you feel like you're a wrestling person now?
1: uh people have asked me this i would like my ideal situation is to always work here you know as long as they want me to have a job in
0: my studio
1: in this studio if you are hiring sure i can bring snacks
0: yeah i mean can you babysit too
1: Children typically don't love me. Yours is adorable, though. You saw she didn't want me to see she, her room yeah, so, or her she, shoes, but yeah. we're, we're we're getting there. Um, I think it'd be really cool to be t- tied to this company because it's just so like widespread. I mean, yes. so mainstream, and I feel like it's just getting more and more mainstream. And then, and then, uh, in addition to here, it'd be cool to kind of cross over and maybe do some entertainment style news. Cause I, I mean, I do love the extra and e news and um, all that kind of thing. So. Yeah, Um, yeah.
0: Damn, you're trying to take
1: everyone's job. I want to be the only host, and then Maria Menounos is spot. Maria Menounos is like the 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 goals. That woman has created a little empire for herself. She's She's amazing. She's amazing. So talented, and she's so sweet.
0: She got a couple of matches under her belt. I know. Wrestle at WrestleMania.
1: She exactly. You
0: know, (laughs) she literally like. Train, got a ring, like she takes everything she does very, very and seriously. And that's why she's
1: as successful as she is. So yeah, a path like that would be be a be a goal, but somehow always tied here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What does your family think of like you becoming a wrestling person?
1: Man, when I first told them because I took the job, um, it will be five years ago in October is when I actually started with NXT. You
0: know, it's it's crazy for me to think that it's only been that long. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you feel like, I can't believe it's already been five years, but I think that a lot of people watching, because it's amazing how much you've done in a pretty short period of time. And I think that the people watching are like, Kayla's just been here forever. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> you
1: know? Oh, it feels that way. So <laughs> um what was the question? Um, oh, my, my family think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when I first told them I was going to work for WWE, and they don't know anything about WWE either. They assumed I was calling to tell them I was going to be a ring girl.
0: Oh, like with the cards. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so and
1: my mom was like, I can't believe you're you throwing know, away your four-year education. In
0: 1993, Raw did have ring girls.
1: Oh, really? In the
0: very, very okay. beginning of Monday Night Raw in the Manhattan Center, they had ring girls, yeah, and they had, like, Girls in bathing suits that would come out and then kind of as a goof, they would also have like, you know, heavier set yeah. women come out with <laughs> with cards and everything. But that was a thing that existed for a very
1: short period of time. Very short
0: period of time. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. Again, no, I mean, that's phenomenal for those who can do it. But I like to eat pizza and burgers. I can't be walking around in a in a, right. in a bikini all the time.
0: I mean, look, <laughs> you know, can't even ring an ounce, let alone all <gasps> the signs up dying. and everything. You have a very... <laughs> You're like Taken. You have a particular set of skills. There we go.
1: I know. Don't expend, extend beyond that. But I think over the last few years, I think they think it's cool now because there's all these closet wrestling fans who are like, your daughter's Caleb Braxton. Yeah. So they feel cool. And like look at the trading cards came out and video games and stuff that like, like I'm an actual, you know, person that's doing stuff. I think they feel a sense of pride now. Yeah. They don't watch it at all. They don't watch you? They do not watch it. They've come to a couple of shows. But no, they don't watch it.
0: Why? You're on it so much.
1: Well, they have like eight kids at home. They've got to be running it's, around. Yeah. But my little siblings even, um, my little brothers had the video game. And I was like, wow, I'm finally going to be the cool big sister because I work for this company. Mm-hmm. And this was a couple of years ago. And I said, so am I now like the coolest sister? And they looked at me, are you on the video game? And I said, <laughs> no. They said, then no, just, just like that. I'm like, well, okay. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I mean, it's important to have goals. You're working on it. <laughs> we're we're working on it. <laughs> like ultimately, you want to do enough that your siblings will think you're the coolest yes, sister. Yes. I mean, who is the coolest sister then? I mean, I know there's a bunch of you, but
1: I, it's got to be me. It has to be. I think at this they're point. trying to keep me humble.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good, and it gives you something to strive for. Exactly. <laughs> throughout this whole thing, man. So, like, do you talk about work with your family? I mean, if they don't really watch, mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that they're. It would be tough to explain a lot. of it, stuff, Yeah.
1: Right? It's if anything, we talk about my travel schedule, but I don't talk about I don't think you've ever seen an episode of The Bump. Wow. I don't even know if they know that I have a show called The Bump. I don't know. <laughs> they definitely don't know about like, all the things they don't know. And it's fine. It's not, again, a lack of support. They just have, again, yeah. all these group 15 brothers and sisters. It's just a lot of people to have to, to handle.
0: I mean, for God's sake, your, your face is on Peacock. I,
1: it's um, your face.
0: It's multiple shows. It's just your face is
1: there. I know. I'm, you know. I'm sure if I like called them and like told them to go, they would they would do it. But you
0: don't even have to watch the shows. Just turn on Peacock. I know. Just, just take a
1: picture. Just of the my menu. Picture. Yeah, that's that's it.
0: <laughs> the name, uh, uh, Kayla Braxton. Mm-hmm. Did you come up with Braxton? And is it an ode to the Braxton family, Tony Braxton? No.
1: Oh. You know, when they, they yeah. asked ask me to come up with a list of names, mm-hmm. and the story goes for almost everyone. I just said I wanted to keep my initials because this sounds, but like when I autograph things, mm-hmm. I've, you know, the K and the B has kind of already been like a, a staple. Mm-hmm. So I gave them a list of B names. Mm-hmm. They chose none of them. I still don't know where they pulled Braxton from. However, a lot of people do think that has some, like i they think I'm related to the Braxton family. Cause uh, we can kind of see it. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I should ask that question. I mean, I love it. I think yeah. it's
0: maybe there's, maybe there is a Braxton family fan. Maybe somebody loves Tony uh, Braxton. Maybe, there, maybe a big, like, big
1: Tony Braxton fan
0: because I did like, I, I got excited when I was like, okay, when Malcolm Bivens showed up, uh, I was like, we got a Braxton, Anna Bivens in uh, WWE. This is amazing. And, he said that that he doesn't think that anybody knows where he got the name, the, you know, Michael Bivens is in Boys to but he doesn't, <laughs> Bivens is his name, <laughs> and he was like, I don't think anybody knows. <laughs> oh,
1: Malcolm. <laughs> He's another great one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, Kayla Braxton from the Braxton family, uh, I'm excited for you. I appreciate you uh, coming out. It seems like everything's coming up, Kayla. seems, that, are you, are you... Happy to be back to traveling. I mean, so the bump shoots in Stanford. Mm-hmm. You live in Florida. Mm-hmm. WWE is wherever back on we'll be, the road. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're going to the UK for God's sake. I know. They're everywhere. everywhere. They're global again. So you've gone from spending a year and a half being in within driving distance of wherever the Thunderdome may be to, you know, you're back to being on a plane more than you're yep. at your place. Yeah, Are you... Happy to get out there? Or are you like okay? This is uh, this is. I'm gonna have to re get used to this again. I think
1: that's it. Just kind of getting used to it again. I mean, yeah. before we were doing this, it was just like I did it in my sleep, didn't even think twice because for years I never experienced being home. Right. So it was just the normal. And now, yeah, being spoiled for a year and a half. Like I woke up this morning like, come on, this, this is day day damn one. Here we go. But I think once we get in the groove, I think I'm gonna really enjoy it again because I did love getting to a city maybe a day early, yeah. checking it out. Hanging out with my friends who are also on the road. Um, So it's just going to take me a a minute or two. (laughs)
0: Loading up the iPad with horror movies. There we go. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'd (laughs) do. That's the the way to roll. Well, Kayla, I mean, is there any uh, direction specifically that you want to send people in? I mean, obviously, you're on Peacock on on The Bump. You're Mm -hmm. on Peacock on Talking Smack. Mm -hmm. You're on Fox on SmackDown. There we go. You're on... The bump's also on YouTube and Facebook and gets a million and two million and three million yeah, and ten million of. views. Um, you're on social media, mm-hmm. unless you put Twitter on timeout, <laughs> and then you're not. Don't on
1: make s- me put you on timeout again, yeah. tears.
0: Yeah, you will lose. <laughs>
1: you will lose,
0: Kayla Braxton. But then you just have you to don't... go to my Instagram. <laughs> Do you block people?
1: Um, I got really good at the really bad ones, the offensive ones. Mm-hmm. I just go start. I report people. I think it's oh, satisfying nice. to get their accounts taken down. And if they are listening, they know exactly who they are. I got quite a few accounts suspended.
0: You did. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Put them up like trophies. That's right. Yeah. Don't <laughs> yeah.
1: come at me, bro.
0: Yeah. You will lose. <laughs> you will lose Always. every time. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Good for you. Thank
1: that's you. That's exactly what you
0: should be doing. Yes. Um, and I appreciate you coming and hanging out.
1: I'm just so honored I finally got to do the show. So, Anytime. Uh, I would like to do it more times than Matt Camp. So
0: well, Matt Camp lives in that corner.
1: He told me about that. So he, he gets exiled to the to the corner and I get to be at the.
0: I mean, look, theoretically, <laughs> if you're going to be coming and doing the bump, we could technically do this every week. We, like, technically, we are on the way to
1: Stanford. That's, that's true. So. Very, yeah. Very easy little uh, drop through. So, so then
0: We'll have to do this again. I would love that. We will do it again. <laughs> we'll talk about everything. It'll be great. Perfect but this was a great first time so it thank was. you thank, thank you very much Caleb Braxton Thank you
1: my pleasure Thanks for listening follow at not sam on twitter instagram facebook and youtube Rate, review and subscribe this has been not sam wrestling not sam.